everyone to Ultra Bonus Wii Universe 64, the sequel, Electric Boogaloo. Combat Evolved. Combat Evolved, there it is. Podcast Evolved, yes, this is the uh, the special bonus show we do with one of our amazing Patreon guests, where they come on and make us talk about any old game in the world they want us to talk about. The whole wide world, the whole ring-shaped world is open <laughs> to us, and uh, thank God our guest today chose uh, a hell of a banger. Um, very excited to be talking about it. My name is Steve Gutling. Hello, I'm Woody Siskowski. <laughs> Please tell me you wrote that like days ago. I, yeah, I, I, I did. I was I was staying up till four a.m. workshopping that. I kept knocking on my roommate's door and be like, "Hello, hello, hello." And this is like no third one, third one. Yeah, yeah that's the I, one. I think that's it was all one. worth it. You nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. Uh, are joining us today a very special guest, one of our top tier Patreon supporters, and just one of our general favorite people to record with. Uh, Scott Berger is here. Welcome. How's it going? Welcome. Uh, yes, thank you for uh, for having me. Uh, I was originally so uh, yes, I was originally going to talk about a different game, mm. but uh, I it was called was, Thrill Kill. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had uh, three or four pages of notes in a Google Doc on this game, and I was walking around my my kitchen, and then I was like, oh, I, you know, refresh my podcast app, and it says the next episode coming up on the Ultra Sixty Four podcast is the exact game I wanted to talk about, which was Outer Wilds. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Aaron, no. our, Aaron, another close friend of mine, texted me literally the day before that episode came out and said, you guys should do an episode on the Outer Wilds. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Let's get them all back in here because I want to play that game again. <laughs> Uh, and just like yeah, absolutely like that's a, that's such a good game oh my god and so but the outer wilds is sci-fi for nerds and the game you chose is like sci-fi for jocks like, yeah this is for, uh, for everyone for bros. this game is uh is based on a small subset of the outer wilds specifically the ring world part of it uh, <laughs> oh, I missed I missed that I didn't get to that section yet in the outer wilds where you just get the assault rifles and mow down guys wielding a bunch of harmonicas <laughs> that's a good there's a guy blowing in a jug and you just throw a frag grenade yeah, at him the whole game really ch changes tenor when you get to that planet my next uh my next sneaky uh um objective was to see how much content i could uh, extract out of you guys so my snarky uh plug was going to be uh, oh, let's see if I can get Steve and Woody to play through the entirety of the Master Chief collection instead Steve, as punishment. I, <laughs> I I feel bad having to put the kibosh on that one. That was one, the first like... time I'd ever seen Steve put the kibosh on a suggestion. Though Steve has got you beat because Steve did that last year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he already did I that. did. I, I, weirdly, I would have been equipped to talk about it because I sat and played the entire Master Chief collection last year in one sitting. I think it was more of the hope of not, us not having to sit and record a six-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've got Ultra 64 DD. You know, this could be a potential contender for that someday. Sure. There's all those halo wars games so also just to be clear because i don't know if we've just openly said it this 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 episode is about halo combat evolved halo combat evolved never heard and of it i have a take that i want to drop right now and we'll see if it uh if our evidence over this conversation supports or um undermines this take which is is it a hot take or a cold I, take i guess we'll we'll find out okay um i believe <laughs> there's that steam halo, coming off of it but it is cold in here so i don't know i believe that halo combat evolved is the most important game to be released since the year 2000 okay okay i 
I'm, I'm crunching the numbers in my head to see how hot this take is, yeah. but I don't think it's that hot of a so take. It, it, what, 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 about, what about Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty? Uh, I, I think know that, that it differs m- in terms of the word important. That that certainly has a crazier ending. That might have been the most <laughs> hyped game since uh, 2000, yeah. like uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I, su- I think your I take is probably right. This. I mean, it's it's probably either this or World of Warcraft. Well, I mean, if you uh, if you think about it, the really dominant genre in video games in the last twenty years has been the multiplayer first person shooter. Yeah, and this is the game that kind of kicked off that craze. Obviously, multiplayer shooters existed before this, but this one kind of refined the formula and kind of made it for consoles. Right. Specifically. This game did two essential things. One is that it essentially made Microsoft a player in in the video game console wars. That's not to say that some other game would not have eventually gotten them there. You know, oh, yeah, Microsoft, this is not a scrappy underdog we're Yeah, Microsoft about. certainly had plenty of money to stick around and keep throwing at things. Yeah. But, you know, Halo was the game that it happened to be. That's the, the game that launched a million Xboxes. Yeah. Um, and this game essentially set the precedent of the way first-person shooters play and control, which by evidence, if you like, we played some James Bond games a while back, and if you go and play the James Bond games from 2002 or whatever, yeah, they feel really weird. They feel very weird, like because yeah. they you have like a camera with one stick and moving with the other, like it, it just feels very unnatural. Whereas I was playing Halo last night, feels great, like it feels exactly the way that you want a first person shooter game to feel. Yeah, and there's there's a real years old. fluidity of movement, and it's it's kind of hard to define exactly what that feeling is. But I actually wanted to ask Scott in particular, like, why did you want to talk about Halo? Um, yeah, I think Woody kind of nailed it on the head with its 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 broad impact. Uh, I think we are at a a very good time. We're recording this. Uh, mid-December early December uh and it's right around early 20, uh, the it's it's right around Halo's 20th birthday it's yeah. it's two days until we officially reach mid-December yeah I, 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 uh, I believe yes. we are uh let me see we are November 15th was when this was released 2001 so yeah we're, we're just a, uh, about a month exactly off of the 20th anniversary of this game which was also the same day that uh, Halo Infinite the newest game in the series was released to a lot of fanfare so Big time for Halo right now. And also, we got the announcement of a new live-action Halo TV series that looks extremely expensive, and it's coming <laughs> out next year. So we, we're in a bit of a Halo renaissance. Like, this is a good time to be digging into it. Which is Steve, int- yeah, go ahead, when Scott, you, when you When you first saw Halo, were you blinded by its majesty? <laughs> of the, the game or the, the TV series? Well, I was hoping that the uh, Halo 2 quote would drop a little harder. But, uh, oh, is that? No, the... I did not catch that. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, like, the I think the, the 20 years thing really kind of also hits home about how, like, disgustingly old we all are now. <laughs> yes. And I was trying to remember back, like, when the, you know, my first ever experience with it was. Like, do you remember, do you guys remember I mean, what your first experience with it first I mean, was? I mean, Scott, I, get, I associate this game a lot with you. Like, I, we spent, I was thinking, this I would not consider amongst my favorite games. Like, I, if I was to make a list of my favorite games, this wouldn't even come up, even though I really like it. But I may have spent as much time playing this game as almost anything, because there were a while where if I wanted to hang out with you, 
in like in high school, this is what we were going to do. Mm. We were going to play Halo, <laughs> and there was a group over like somehow you managed to get like seemingly everyone in our high school to come hang out um, at your hangar and just like even people who had no interest in video games. It's like, well, we're playing Halo. Mm. It's happening. And I definitely remember, you know, having LAN parties and just also realizing that I was not very good at Halo. <laughs> I, I This game kind of came onto my radar. Like, it, it was like literally could not care less about this to, oh, my God, what the fuck is this game? And that's because of EGM, uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly. They gave it a perfect 10, which they had only given to, like, two other games at that point. It was, like, Ocarina of Time and uh, something else, Metal Gear Solid. So I'm like, all right, so this Good is games. in the rankings of two of my very favorite games of all time. Uh, this game is suddenly like a reason to buy an Xbox. And I don't remember who in my friend group was the first one to actually make the plunge and buy the Xbox. But once it was in rotation, like it was just Halo all the time. Like I think we're all right around that right age where it's like, yeah, the Halo is just kind of going to kind of be your world for a little bit. And are we, I'm curious about something. Is that a symptom? Like, when you're growing up in your late high school or early college, are there things that just have waves of that age? Because it felt like for a while there was a Guitar Hero wave. Oh, yeah. There was a Halo wave. There was maybe a Mario Kart, or there was a GoldenEye wave. Uh-huh. Are we, like, post-wave? Like, or is that just an age thing? Like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like games quite experience, like, cultural moments the way they once did of like everyone is playing this game yeah and maybe that's because like there's so many more games out there at any given time and people play them and access them so differently right but I, it, it it's, it's hard to nail down because some of it is like you could take something like the witcher like people got really excited about the witcher but that had more to do with the tv show than the game and that's not a game you would go over to someone's house and be like let's play the witcher no like, no not necessarily I feel like it mostly associated i mean with i would probably local multiplayer that, yeah uh, what about you scott when was your what's your halo history your haste ha i can't do it halo story <laughs> thank you <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, I, I think got, the, that's why I keep you on. Steve. <laughs> that's why. That's why they paid me the big yeah. bucks. I remember uh, one of my uh, friends. I think like in late middle school, uh, showing me like the the um, box for the game, and it just has like what I thought was just some uh, bland robot man on the front of it with you know your standard stereotypical sci-fi background, and oh, you know he's he's shooting at the screen. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, not super, you know, uh, thrilled. And then he sat me down. He's like, you got to play this mission. And my first experience was actually playing the last mission in the game. And my socks flew completely off. <laughs> Just knocked him right off. Knocked him right off. I mean, like, I, I think for a while, I the, Halo was such an omnipresent thing in my world that I kind of turned on it. Yeah, like exact I, I, same thing for me. I was taking kind of the contrarian stance, like, oh, we're playing Halo again. This story isn't even very good. Like, this game sucks. Why are we playing this? And it's like, now I realize it's that's idiotic. But, uh, you know, like, I, I did just get to a point where, like, all right, I'm going to go do something cool, like play Final Fantasy X. I mean, I do feel like that kind of happened in the sense that Halo 2 was a massive, massive game. Yeah. And Halo 3 had was a pretty big deal, too, because it's like, this is for a whole new generation of consoles. But after Halo 3, it felt like the moment for Halo had passed. Yeah. And there's been, you know, three Halo games at least since then, but I don't feel like any of them had quite have that same level of impact and sort of like, wow, the new Halo game is 
coming out. And I think it's all set on the precedent of just this phenomenal first game. Yeah. But not to say that Halo 2 and Halo 3 aren't also great. And Halo 2 also a tremendously important game because that was, you know, that was the first game that got people to connect their Xboxes to the internet and actually provided a user-friendly enough interface that, like, people who are not tech-savvy could feel like, oh, I'm playing online with other people. And it also conclusively... Ki- realize I'm very bad at Halo compared to the rest of the world. And, and it conclusively proved that you don't need to end your story. You don't need to have any kind of ending at all. You can just, like, cut to credits in the middle of an action scene, and no one will care. That's still me griping on Halo 2. <laughs> Uh, well, let's jump into this game here. Halo colon Combat Evolved was released November 15th, 2001, developed by Bungie, published by Microsoft Game Studios. This was released on the Xbox, eventually on Windows, OS X, and 360, and it was ported to the Xbox One in the Master Chief Collection. Let's talk a little bit about Bungie. Uh, Bungie is uh, kind of like a, a compacted rubber cord. Uh, <laughs> some people use it to like bind stuff into their trucks. Other people jump off bridges with it. If, uh, it, if you're ever going to jump off a bridge, make sure you bring your Bungie. Yeah, bring a Bungie just, brand Bungie cord. Yeah. Uh, no, Bungie was founded in 1991 by a guy named Alex Seropian, who dropped out of the University of Chicago to start his own gaming company. Uh, the company's first game was a Pong ripoff called Nop which is Pong spelled backwards. Great. Uh, shortly after that, Serapian brought, uh, he bought the publishing rights to an RPG called Minotaur, Labyrinths of Crete, which is developed by a young programmer named Jason Jones. And uh, Jones and Serapian hit it off so much that Jones eventually joined the team as kind of a, a co-founder and still sort of a big deal within Bungie. Uh, the team first started gaining attention for their 1993 shooter, Pathways of Darkness, which was kind of like, uh, I believe it's like a Vietnam Wolfenstein. Like, I think okay. that's kind of what it was. Um, and this is still pretty early. What is this? Is this early 90s? That would have been 93, okay. yeah. yeah. And their next game was a success... Uh, that game was successful enough to fund their ambitious next project, which is a sci-fi shooter called Marathon that came out in 1994. Now, Scott, you've pl- I know you've played a little bit of Marathon, because I remember the Halo hype got so big that they ended up re-releasing Marathon. Yeah, they uh, released Marathon 2, I think, on Xbox Live Arcade back in the day. And I remember being like, okay... Uh, I need a break from Halo 2, so this thing looks kind of like Halo. I'll play some of this for a little bit. And it's it's like, um, it's it's very good. You should check it out. Uh, yeah. It's almost like uh, if Halo was Doomified in a way. Okay. Oh, okay. So it, it's sort of the speed and responsiveness of Halo, but it looks like Doom. Yeah, I think that's probably a good uh, uh, generalization. And I believe, if I if I uh, remember my details right, this was one of the first first person shooters to let you have a full three D range of vision. Like uh, like Quake usually gets the credit for doing that first, but I think Marathon beat it to the punch by a couple of years. What do you mean full three hmm. D range of vision? Well, you know, like in Doom, you're kind of just locked on the one plane. You can oh, look left and right, but yeah, you can't look yeah. up and down. Like Marathon okay. lets you look all around. Um, which is like again, you one can of the look it, up and down. Marathon <laughs> lets you look all around. That was, that was their jingle. That was, was the slogan. It was, it was hard, it was hard yeah. to fit it into those commercials. Yeah. I don't I, know. They had to spend most of their budget on getting Hulk Hogan to sing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marathon, I'm brother. Uh, I mean, you know, Marathon, it was it was kind of a big series for PC gamers, but, like, it's one I couldn't... If, if you showed right. me a screenshot, I wouldn't be able to pick it out of a lineup. Well, it, like, it is, uh, again, part of those ages that I talk about a lot where the divide was so strong between PC and um, console gamers. Mm-hmm. The games that were huge on the PC in, like, the early to mid-'90s, like, 
Total Annihilation is a game that like people really care about, sure. or like Descent, and it's like if you were not a PC gamer, that's just a giant black hole in your mind when yeah. I mentioned that. No, so. and that's that was me for sure. But I mean, Marathon was a successful and influential series, uh, and they had a, a hit with a strategy RPG series called Myth, not Mist, Myth. <laughs> um, and the success of this led to Microsoft acquiring the company in 2000 and making them part of the new Microsoft Games division and putting them on what would be the flagship title of their new console. We'll get more into that in a minute. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the post-Halo Bungie. Um, so after developing uh, Halo 3, the company split from Microsoft. Uh, they renamed themselves Bungie LLC, and they, they did two more Halo games for um, uh, Xbox. I think they did ODST and Reach. And then they split off on their own. The Halo series would be taken over by 343 Industries, which I think is made up of some former Halo devs. Um, and then Bungie kind of went off and did their own thing, uh, specifically hey, uh, Destiny, which ah, they, they embraced their Destiny. Sure. They did. Uh, which is a series that was kind of a slow burn, I, I think kind of panned when the first one came out. And then by the time the first expansion pack for Destiny 1 came out, they'd kind of figured their shit out. And now Destiny 2 is like a worldwide phenomenon. Right. Like everybody's playing Destiny. Um, any, do you, have either of you played Destiny at all? I've played a lot of Destiny 2. And I think that Destiny 2 is, is interesting. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go into that game expecting to understand anything that's what's happening. Uh, mm. Even yeah, We just played a game like that earlier today. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's very fun to play. But... I don't know if it's like any more fun beyond that. Okay. There is um so like you know, there's lots of cosmetics and like a million different like guns and stuff. It's like a uh, uh, Halo meets Borderlands in a way, but uh, I like I like Destiny more than Borderlands. But I remember there was I, I got really attached to this one uh, gun that loot dropped, and I was like, okay, this is this is gonna be great. It's gonna get me through this really great dungeon. And then I accidentally uh, recycled it and like turned it oh, into shit. little component parts. And then I was just like, you know, I'm gonna play something else. And <laughs> yeah. I haven't really played anything else yet. I mean, the the it, Destiny always looked interesting. I think just the aesthetics of it never really drew me in. You know, like it just looks kind of generic sci-fi. Well, that I feel like maybe is a symptom of Bungie in general. Because I mm -hmm. would say for all of the good, very good things that Halo has going for it that we will talk about, I'm not sure it ever sheds that feeling of generic sci-fi. No, like, no. I, I mean, think it's intelligently done, but it, it is yes. generic sci-fi. Yeah. Um, the, the graphics always you know, are top-notch, but every time you're just running through a ship, it's just sort of these... Every corner of this ship is kind of blue glowing lights yeah. and endless hallways... And you're like, I guess this is kind of what like I imagine a ship would look like, but sure. it has no sort of distinct features about it, and it's only distinct because like we've seen so much of Halo. You're like, yes, that is Halo, but I only know that because I've played hours and hours of it, yeah. not because the design is iconic in any way. And it's a cohesive design, like it works for the world that they're doing, but it does get a little repetitive getting into those corridors. You mean going through uh, four hours of the library mission fighting the flood isn't repetitive? <laughs> yeah, we were just uh, right before we, we started recording this, Steve and I were like, oh, let's just play, play a little bit of Halo. And I'm like, I want to play the one where you fight the flood. And it's like, oh, this is the library. And then I remembered about halfway through, oh, yeah, this is the worst mission in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so development for this game initially began in 1997. 
Uh, it was originally going to be a loose sequel to Marathon with a similar setting and gameplay, and it was only going to be on Windows and Mac. Uh, and then the team was kind of toying with the idea of getting away from first-person shooters. And their first idea was to do a car combat game mm. called, uh, they were tentatively calling it the Great Bloody War Game. It's <laughs> weird to think of what if Bungie had done a car combat game. Right. It would not have had the lasting power that this did. I mean, you know, the idea was scrapped ultimately, but vehicular combat would go on to be a big part of this game. Uh, they then tried a real-time strategy game, which was alternately known as uh, Armor, Blam! with an exclamation point, <laughs> The Santa Machine, Hard Vacuum, and my personal favorite, Monkey Nuts. Wait. This game was originally going to be called Monkey Nuts. <laughs> These were all titles for the same game? These were all titles for the same game at I different points. I cannot possibly conceive what that game would be. I, I know that uh, Alex Serapian said they dropped Monkey Nuts for sure because he didn't want to explain to his mom what game he was working on. Sure. He didn't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm working on a new game, Monkey Nuts. You know. What if he titled it Monkey Nuts Combat Evolved? There, there you go. <laughs> then it's easy to explain. <laughs> I would actually play that one. Uh, so yeah, the game was ultimately redesigned as a third-person shooter. The game was set to debut at Macworld in 1999, but the team still didn't have a title or a proper direction, and Bungie was running out of money, uh, so they needed to scrap a lot of the ideas they were toying with, like using an open-world map. Luckily, Microsoft stepped in in 2000 and provided an influx of cash to finish what was now going to be a first-person shooter with strong online multiplayer components. Uh, ultimately, those were left off of this first game because Xbox Live would not be ready for a couple more years. But, oh, uh, strange. So programmer Paul Russell is the one who gets the credit for creating the name Halo, which executives initially did not like because, A, they were worried there was a religious connotation, mm. and B, they just didn't think uh, people would understand what this game was, which is why they insisted on adding Combat Evolved into the title just to give you a better sense of like, okay, this is a game with guns. Don't worry. There's no angels in this. This is just guns. Halo, one of the all-time great names. Like, right up Evocative. there. Evocative, yeah. Yeah, it's somehow, it feels right. Like, you can't explain, like, if someone said, hey, I'm playing Halo, you and you had no idea what that is, you'd be like, I can't even envision that. But as soon as you saw, like, a couple screenshots, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Halo. Yeah, it's cool. the same way that, like, Metroid is, you know, it's a nonsense word. Until but you, when see, you see it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that is Metroid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's John Metroid running around the stages shooting other little non Metroids. Yeah. yeah. yeah John it's, yeah, it was originally called John Metroid versus the non Metroids. <laughs> it was a way better game back then. And uh, yeah, yeah. Subcolon uh, Monkey Nuts Combat Evolved. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, they added the Combat Evolved title. As the release date approached, Halo started coming together into something that Microsoft was getting really excited about. And so they threw their marketing muscle behind it, driving anticipation for this and for their new Xbox console. And it was around this time that they decided this is going to be the game that we launched the Xbox with. Like okay. they're feeling good enough about it and uh, strong enough about the property that they're like, all right, let's gamble. This is going to be, was this a pack-in game? I don't remember. I didn't even think that this was a launch game. But it, it was a launch okay. game, yeah, day one. But it, uh, I don't think it was a pack-in game. Did it, I don't remember if Xbox came with pack-in games. I don't know. It's been so long since I bought a new one. Um, I feel like most non-Nintendo consoles don't come with back-end games. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, so when the game and the console were finally released, reviews were ecstatic for both, with many outlets uh, instantly crowning Halo as one of the best games ever made. Like, people just, they, they went monkey nuts over it, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, despite this, sales were actually a little slow to start. Um, this would ultimately sell 5 million units and become the second best-selling title on the console behind, behind Halo 2. 2. Okay. 
Uh, but that number actually feels a little low if you consider the impact that this game has had, right? You think about like five million is six million less than Goldeneye. Huh? That's kind of that crazy. Is really that weird to think of because it's hard to imagine that somebody would have an Xbox and not have Halo. Kind of like, right. It's just it, it's so closely tied with the system and such like a definitive part of it. But I guess. That was clearly the case. There were clearly a lot of people who had an Xbox with no Halo. Maybe I feel just, like there's yeah. there's a, an extent to which Halo had to like break into the already established shooter space mm-hmm. that was already pretty dominated by PC stuff as well. That's true. I think an- anecdotally, just for myself, I remember uh, being like super into Counter Strike at mm-hmm. the time, and then like Counter Strike uh, launched with Steam again, something that no one has ever heard of, and <laughs> like that put like a really bad taste in my mouth at the time. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go back to Halo and you know g- go super deep into this. And I, I wonder if like Halo didn't have as big of, of numbers at the time just because it had to compete with that already sort of established space as it was going. I yeah. also wonder how much of the numbers were like you had a friend who had Halo. And you just went over to their house and played Halo, and you played through the whole campaign together. And you're like, "Well, I don't need to buy Halo, yeah, because I've played through it with my friend, and that's the only time I play Halo when I go over there." Yeah. Um, because I mean, let's real quick talk about this. I'm we'll get in more in depth, but like the co-op campaign, I consider like a huge part of this game. Like this, I think is the yeah. most in-depth, successful co-op campaign like up to this point. And certainly for any first-person shooter. Weirdly, I don't think I've ever played through any Halo game all the way through in co-op, like, which feels like a missed opportunity. Scott, like, I remember you and I, I think maybe Halo 3 we played through together co-op because you were all about that when we were roommates. <laughs> that sounds about right. I, I seem to recall memories of uh, of dragging you over and being like, look, we got to play this. We got to beat it all the way through. And I seem to recall the very last mission in Halo 3 where you're doing your... Uh, iconic halo style warthog run and the whole world is blowing up around you and you got to go off a jump and land on the on the ship to get away we must have failed like three or four times straight yeah that sounds like us (laughs) (laughs) um but i i don't know there's something even if you don't play through the entire campaign like this game just does a such a good job of the co-op campaign gives you like an intrinsic viral marketing tool of you're like hey come over and check this game out and you can sort of run through the first level with someone and you know they're not going to be as frustrated because you are there doing most of the heavy lifting as they figure out the controls yeah um and then to integrate the vehicles in here where one person can drive and the other person can shoot i just i really all of that resonates very strongly with me um in terms of like tickling those nostalgia memory centers so the plot of this game, like, uh, again, you could you could argue kind of generic sci-fi boilerplate, but it's very evocative and it has such excellent presentation that it's kind of easy to, to uh, let that go. And it has a very satisfying <laughs> sort of three-fourths of the way reveal. Yes, yes, absolutely. So Halo takes place in the 26th century. There's a new faster-than-light technology called slip space. <clears throat> and this enables humanity to travel further into space than they ever have before. So... United Nations Space Command, or the UNSC, they've established a colony on this planet called Reach, which has become like a technological and cultural hub in the galaxy. 
but they've met some resistance from an ancient alien race called the Covenant, who consider the humans like a blight on their planet, and it leads to a very long, drawn-out war. Now, uh, the UNSC has developed the new Spartan program, uh, developed, designed to create genetically perfect super soldiers as kind of a way of fighting the uh, Covenant threat. Steve Rogers types. Yeah, exactly. Bunch of Captains America. Uh, but their numbers are too few uh, to really make a dent in the Covenant. And in 2552, humanity suffered an incredible loss when the Covenant decimated Reach, killing millions. They used some very evocative language of how, like, they, they used, like, these uh, um, laser cannons that turn the surface of the world into glass. Like, that's mm. how hot it burned, is that wow. everything turned into glass, which is a very cool image. So as Halo opens, um, the Star Freighter Pillars of Autumn has just escaped from the fall of Reach. They've managed to smuggle out one Spartan soldier, uh, a.k.a. Master Chief Petty Officer John 117, better known as just Master Chief, because that's a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> so in the game's opening chapter, the Pillars of Autumn comes across this ring-shaped world that they call Halo, which the Covenant seems intent on defending, and the Pillars of Autumn is badly damaged. Master Chief is equipped with the ship's onboard AI, Cortana, and sent to Halo to keep the Covenant off of humanity's trail. And while there, he discovers that Halo serves two purposes. It is both a devastating intergalactic weapon, and it is a holding cell for a parasitic species called the Flood, which will absolutely take over the galaxy if they get off of this ring world. Um, it, it, it's very cool. Um, like, I feel like this is always a fun plot device. I don't know if they were influenced by sort of the design of StarCraft, um, where you kind of have these, or, or Warcraft did the same thing, where you have like the humans versus the orcs is kind of the initial conflict. Yeah. And then you go to see like, oh, the humans are not intrinsically the good side and the orcs are not intrinsically the evil side. They are just warring factions from their perspective. But then, like, this third, you know, this third race comes in, um, you know, of, like, demons or the Zerg or something like that. That's like, oh, this is the race that is just hell-bent on destruction. Yeah. And the Flood is very much that same, that same piece of the pie, which I think lends a lot more complexity to this series and that that comes into play in later games when you actually one of the major characters you play as is part of the covenant yeah i mean so what did you guys th i, I want to jump ahead a little bit and talk about this flood reveal because uh this is a pretty sensational thing to do like it seems pretty basic but this kind of reveal of a whole new enemy that behaves in a very different way than the enemy you've been be, uh, fighting this entire and it game it doesn't come until fairly late in the game it's, it's like at the while. end of like the sixth or seventh level out yeah of, i think this game only has 10 levels in the campaign i mean while you're fighting the covenant they all have like weapons and they they, they have hide some, behind cover they like have, the ai in this game is very good yeah pretty sophisticated ai even today like it, it holds up very well and so there's a little bit of strategy to your approach with the flood it's just an onslaught it just means it's just it's just bullet after bullet after bullet just what? to try and keep ahead of it. Right, because they just run at you and slice at you and explode. Occasionally, and they they're have, never going to stop. Yeah. Occasionally, they have guns, but like they don't, they're not good at shooting them. No, it, it makes things very frenetic. It turns things from kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a hoorah kind of sci-fi space marine shooter into like straight up pure horror which is a really cool way to kind of like pivot on that. I don't know. But some people weren't crazy about this element when it Did came out. Do you know, Scott, that the Flood was in this game before you sort of, they were revealed to you within the game itself? Um, I did only because it was spoiled for me by playing that last mission. But oh, I remember sure. playing it and being like, okay, yep, this seems like 
a, a kind of logical thing, but I think it spices up the, um, the action in the campaign very well because yeah. you know, like you said, you're starting off like humans versus aliens and it's very like, you know, you're kind of rote one dimensional sci-fi story. Uh, and then, yeah, like it's just turned on its head where it's you versus aliens and then, oh shit, now it's you and aliens versus another alien and everything is just thrown into chaos. Uh, I think it, I think they do a really great job of putting that where it is in the campaign to just keep things moving and lively and mix it up a little bit. I, I, I like the introduction of them too because they're a much more existential threat. You know, it's like to this point, it's been human versus covenant and they're fighting over their philosophies and their beliefs and their land and whatnot. And now you have this new thing that doesn't care about any of that. It just wants to consume and destroy. And now it's kind of in both of these factions, like best interest to work together and kind of find a cure. You know, and it's it's not an instant like kumbaya thing. It takes several games for this kind of uh, very uneasy alliance to be sort of struck. But it's kind of an interesting way of uh, uh, rebalancing the odds kind of in the middle. Of the yeah. Game. And I think like objectively, the flood is less fun to fight than the covenant. Like we talked about the library level is a real slog because you're only fighting the covenant or the, the flood. Yeah. But later in the game, like the last few levels, I think you're fighting both of them. Yeah. Like they sort of mix it up. And when you get to those stages, it's, it's really part of where it all comes together. Like, if this game only had the campaign with the level of polish that it does, I think it would still be a major, major game. Yeah. And the fact that, like, the multiplayer is such a big part of it, too, it's just... Because here's, here's my other... The other take, and this is, this is, this is like a zero on the hot take scale. Mm. This game feels so good to play. Like, yeah. the, the moment right at the beginning where you're just, you run around with nothing, you, you have to go get to the bridge and you have no weapons, so you're just sort of following a series of hallways. And eventually the, uh, the captain gives you his pistol and then you walk around and pick up ammo for it. I, that pistol, the starter pistol in Halo, probably the greatest weapon in the history of video games. I mean, it's just such a good damn opening gun. Like, it's just so responsive and tactile. And, it, it's, and it the is recoil like... is really hard. Hard. Like yeah. you go see the recoil visually in the animation, and the rumble's very strong. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's wild to think that there were like PS1 games being released the same time as this game. Like, it, it, this does even playing it now, it feels very ahead of its time. And they, I mean, Scott, do you have? I want to know the Scott take on that on that pistol, because were you? They they eventually in Halo Two and the later one like. That pistol went away. They had to nerf it. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah. yeah, and like, were you sad about the pistol nerf? Um, I think I, in, I want to say high school, I probably wrote a paper on <laughs> like Halo weapon balance at some point. That's uh, a very Scott so, thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think like there was a, what was it? There was a, a previous episode that Woody was saying about how like, if your default gun isn't good, then the rest of the game like isn't going to be good to play. Oh, yeah. And I think like, the Halo Combat Evolved pistol is super good, but I think what's kind of lost in the game is that all the other guns are also super good. Like even yeah. I think the the Needler gets a, a hard rap as being like the um, Halo it's, Claw, but yeah, equivalent. exactly, yeah, but, exactly uh, what I was gonna say. <laughs> but I think like the there's like a really um, elegant balance to how all the weapons are designed and in like certain use cases and things like that. Um, and yeah, like in Halo Two, I think they 
they gimmicked it hard for the dual weapon mm-hmm. wielding, which admittedly is a really cool idea, but the the consequence is that basically all of the weapon balance is like tossed right out the window. Yeah. yeah. And for like mo- and you know, if you're playing that game on legendary or gosh, I even tried playing um some of Halo 3 on heroic just to uh, you know, dial it down a little bit. And mm-hmm. I was still just only using battle rifle, only using covenant carbine kind of things. What's really cool is that um, with the uh, latest uh, updates to the Master Chief collection, um, there are new mod tools being released. So people can go in and like retool all of like the different weapon balances. Mm. And I want to drop a little shout out to, if you search on YouTube for uh, like Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo Reach, or even Combat Evolved, uh, Ruby's Rebalanced mod. This guy has gone super deep, uh, not even with the published mod tools, but like going into like assembly. That's and, like, R-U-B-Y-S, editing. Ruby's? Yeah, like, okay. the, like the gem. And uh, so he's gone through it like the code level of the game, reprogramming lots of stuff to make it uh, more balanced. So mm. I think that's, that's uh, if you have very fond memories of Halo 2 and Halo 3, but the guns just don't feel satisfying enough, um, I would say six months from now, six to eight months from now, try checking in on that mod status and seeing if uh, if he's updated it with the current mod tools. I, I know that he's been uh, trying to put that on his radar, but that was one thing where I was like going through Halo 3. I'm like, oh yeah, let's, let's see how this holds up. Because originally I was planning on talking about Halo 3, and then I got through the first mission and those damn jackal snipers, let me oh. tell you. Yep, yep. I, I want to... Like you, you brought up the needler, which I, I get is pri- you know kind of a joke weapon in some regards, but it has its place, and I think it's a testament to the good design of this game that like every each weapon has its place. Like the basic um, alien plasma pistol seems pretty weak, but if you can charge it up and hit someone with it, it will like end their shield in one shot, and then you switch to you know your pistol and finish him off really quick. So that's very satisfying. And even if the needler isn't like objectively the most powerful, its design is super duper cool. Yeah. Like um, it has sort of these plasma spikes sticking out of the end. And um, it's just very fun and satisfying to use. And all of the guns in this game are, and like the melee attacks are another real highlight of this game because the animations for all of them look like they really hurt. Yes. <laughs> like when you use the needler, you know, you're smacking someone with the so- the back side of it where the needles come out and then you know that you see chief like grab it and um, stick his hand back in or like you whack someone with the pistol, he'll do this awesome like flip um yeah. cuz you pistol whip him and he flips it back around. And I feel like it is Master Chief is one of those weird characters who has developed this reputation as kind of an iconic video game character without really doing anything. He's kind of a blank slate, you know? Like, we don't know what he looks like, or do we know what he looks like? I mean, I think we've we've seen him under the helmet. He's like a blonde guy. Okay. Not in not in the games. I think in the there's comics and extended universe stuff where I think he's, you know, a a scarred up um you know, a uh, seven foot tall uh, white guy that, you know, I, it's it's kind of like the Mandalorian effect where yeah. all of his character comes from his armor. And I think like, even if you saw his face, I don't think that would really matter because like the, the exterior shell of him 
the armor part like allows you to cast yourself into his character and be like, oh yes, I'm Master Chief because I can you know run around with this uh, you know helmeted super soldier kind of deal. Yeah. I think the Mandalorian is a good comparison because like it's similar to the way that Boba Fett basically became like a beloved Star Wars character, even though he's in like Return of the Jedi for like eight minutes and, and his then he death gets is eaten a by joke. A, yeah yeah and then he gets eaten by the desert butt yeah uh, <laughs> but like it's just the design of him is so cool looking and i feel like back to the melee animations it's like with those animations you can just tell like this guy is a strong dude who doesn't give a fuck like yeah he just he hits stuff hard with his weapons well and, and like, the cool thing to keep in mind about these weapons too is that Halo does kind of a different approach to your inventory management, which might seem like a like a negative on paper, but when you play it, you realize it kind of makes the game. And that's that uh, Master Chief can only hold two weapons at a time. Like so, it, this isn't like Doom or Quake where you've just got some mm, invisible like, backpack full of chainsaws. Weapons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have these two, and so you need to be a little strategic. You need to kind of conserve ammo for one weapon, or you need to switch it up, or like have a long range and a short range, or need to scavenge for what you can find on the battlefield because you've run out of all your ammo or like the pit the plasma weapons are much more useful are, are useful against the covenant but not very useful against the flood right whereas your bullet weapons are going to be better against the flood you know so that's kind of one of the innovations the series brought i think another really important one is its approach to uh health you know so mostly this this game does have health packs and i kind of forgot about that but they're pretty negligible because Really, the mechanic is your your armor gets weak, broken down, and then if you get into cover for a few seconds and avoid taking in more hits, it will recharge if you can get back right. into the and fight. And the health packs are somewhat negligible in the sense that if your armor is destroyed, you die in about two shots. If they actually, yeah. if your health is actually revealed. And by, was Halo the first game to do that kind of regenerative health I effect? I think it was. And now, like, what's the last first-person shooter you played that didn't offer that? Like. It, it's it's and just even non first person shooters yeah. like um, Uncharted, Uncharted. That's their it. mechanic, Gears which, of War, yeah. which is a tremendously goofy mechanic in the sense like it always makes sense like from a shield like okay I get it this is a future I have a shield yeah but like Nathan Drake is just gonna take a bunch of bullet fire and like okay I'm gonna duck behind <laughs> this rock for a little bit just wait Ooh. for these bullets to fall out yeah. of me shaky, feel shaky, better shaky. now yeah um, there we go I get why it's so popular because it allows. It allows a sense of danger, but doesn't slow the game down with you dying a bunch. Yeah. Like, you will still die, but it also cleans up the interface. Because, for like again, like Uncharted, they essentially just get rid of any health bar. Yeah. It's like the screen goes gray, and here they just have a little meter up on the top of the screen for your sheet. I mean, the, the other big thing I think this game did, and I wish more games copied this from Halo, is uh, vehicular control, which it, it's, it's kind of quietly revolutionary the way they started doing it. Like, in this game, you, you, you pilot vehicles quite a bit. You have your Warthog, you have your Scorpion. They're, they're kind of highlights of the game, pretty fun to use. And uh, instead of steering Just the vehicle... Just to be vehicle, clear, this Warthog is a Jeep. It's not it. You don't get That's to ride true. around in actual Warthog Donkey Kong Country style. This is this is not a Pumbaa situation. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, but you know, basically, the way you control these these vehicles isn't by steering the car. It's by steering the camera. So you point the camera where you want it to go, and as long as you're accelerating, the Warthog is going to adjust and get there. And that's just such an intuitive and like effortless way to control the vehicles. And I don't know why more games don't do it. 
Yeah, there's just so few criticisms to label it. I think the only criticism I really have of this is the graphics. Like, the the world design is kind of bland. Mm-hmm. And um, often the, that results in the levels feeling a little mazy. Yeah. Like you get kind of lost, everything looks the same. Um, but, like, every other aspect feels so... Even the grenades, which is another aspect to your arsenal... They throw at exactly the right distance that you want a grenade to throw. Oh, they just feel really good, and like I love the plasma grenades that you can stick to enemies. Um, I meant this, uh, it was always such a satisfying thing in the multiplayer to stick an enemy by getting them with a grenade. Did either of you guys play this with the remastered graphics on Master Chief Collection at all? Yeah, yes. I believe that's on by default. Yeah, the oh, uh, the ten year anniversary that they re released for three sixty. I didn't even actually know that you could go back to the old graphics. I think uh, you can uh, you can switch real time between the two, not during cutscenes. But I was uh, I was doing some online co op with a friend, and I was just kind of like flipping back and forth, and I couldn't I couldn't land on a decision which one was better. Yeah. Which maybe that's a good thing because mm-hmm. the classic one has its charm, and that's the one that everyone's kind of grown up with and gotten accustomed to. Uh, I can definitely see if people had never played this before, seeing like, oh my god, there's like three polygons on the screen mm-hmm. at the yeah. same time. Uh, and I think the the new graphics help to lessen that blow a little bit, but I think there's a little bit of um, aesthetic direction that's lost in the new ones yeah. compared to the old old graphics so i think there's there's trade-offs between between both I, yeah, um, uh, but the I'm new ones look really good i didn't well i mean that's another cool thing about this is like this game's real i mean this game would always be easy to get um because it pretty much compatible with all versions of xbox but with the master chief collection which collects every halo every shooter halo game pre halo infinite mm. Um, you can just get it on Game Pass. You can buy it on your Xbox One or any of those, and you just get all the Halo games in there. And so it's, it's, it's cool to have it so easy to play. Yeah, I mean, the game is like, the Master Chief Collection is like 30 bucks. It's crazy it's how much ridiculous value. There. Yeah. yeah, it's no additional cost if you have Game Pass. Yeah. It's crazy. And so then there's, speaking of additional value, yeah. and probably, you know, as good as the campaign is in this game, like, probably the thing that kept it more legs than anything is you have multiplayer and, and, and it's it's one of those things like looking back on it, it's kind of amazing to see like how kind of rudimentary the multiplayer here is it's like there's five modes there's 13 maps you you have no online play you can do big ass land parties if you have four tvs and four xboxes and 16 people who want to come over and play this game which how much Scott, I, I remember we did we ever get past two with two TVs is where we peaked. Was it was it eight players? Did you ever get three TVs in there? Um, no, I think we only had the two TV set up in the in the uh, infamous Halo aircraft uh, hangar where we had lots of uh, land parties and such. But yeah, I think we only did we only did a max of eight, and mm. I think that's kind of like I think that's sort of the. Uh, well, maybe not eight players, but the concept of playing in person is where Halo peaks. Yeah. I don't know that the online experience... It, so the online experience is super fun, but I think Halo is... My hot take is that Halo is probably the best party game ever made. It's it's up there. I mean, things definitely get rowdy if you have like a multiplayer game of Halo going on. Like 
the one and only time I've ever thrown a controller in frustration was over a game of Halo multiplayer. And that was with, like, the big Duke controller, the original Xbox controller. Well, you could have killed someone with that thing. I did kill someone. <laughs> I changed my name. No. The, beauty, the beauty with the, um, the Master Chief collection, though, is that it funnels all of the users into one platform. Yeah. Because if you just had... Uh, I, I remember back in the day of playing uh, Halo Combat Evolved just on Windows XP by itself. And, you know, you had like a server browser and there were um, people playing it. But I imagine if that thing was released as like a standalone package, no one would play it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that reflected with how, how often you can get a match online through matchmaking. Uh, one really, another really great thing about the Master Chief Collection is um, a recent addition of Custom Game Browser, which is kind of, kind of a game changer, I think, mm. for the Halo series. I think it breathes a lot of um, needed life into the old games. Uh, if, you're, if you're searching through there, it'll probably be like 60% Halo Reach, 30% Halo 3, and then like 10% of the rest of the stuff. But I just jumped into um, a couple games of Halo Combat Evolved uh, in a custom game browser where it was just all random weapon starts and 16 people just before this show. And it was madness. It yeah. was like just as much fun as you remember having just explosions going off constantly. You like, you know, you respawn. Oh, my God, what is this gun? I'm going to shoot that guy. And then <laughs> you're dead. And then you respawn and then the whole thing recycles over again. And it's just an absolute blast. Uh revisiting all those old maps in capture the flag variants through that is, is just the shot of nostalgia that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that uh, there is the, the, in Halo reach, you know, your uh, mod kit for making all sorts of crazy custom games is just outrageous. Yeah. And there are, there's a lot of just amazing creativity there. Uh, Lots of um, elements of just like, oh, I just want to boot it up and just, you know, shoot some guys for 10 minutes. Or, like, I want to fend off a horde of zombies with energy swords. There is everything that you could possibly find in there, and I would highly recommend it. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, that's awesome that they can still kind of, like, revive the original kind of sense of, uh, uh, like, multiplayer kind of party atmosphere of, of the original game. I mean... It, it was. It was one of those just the things, you know? Like, I mean, it, it kind of invented a whole new language for online shooters. Like, which who, camping, which maybe, maybe is not a good thing. Maybe not a Maybe great not a welcome <laughs> language. No. I, I, this was the game. Halo 2 was probably the game that goes got me most into playing shooters online and made me stop playing shooters online. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Kind of hard to go back. Yeah, yeah I think the... 15th time I got called a blank. Yeah. Was, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to move on. To and just something fill else. in the blank there. You yeah. can imagine it's the worst thing you can think of, yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, it gets pretty nasty. And a bit, I mean, this game, even more so than Goldeneye, I think kind of popularized this style of like four player uh, uh, on the couch co op or like a, a competitive uh, deathmatch, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it just just coming four years after GoldenEye, and it feels like a, a, a massive, like, seismic shift, you know? Yeah. I mean, just in the ability to look up and down. Like, look, that's kind I, of a... I, I love GoldenEye. I We've, love GoldenEye. We played the hell out of GoldenEye, but Halo, in terms of... GoldenEye feels like a game from another another time. Yeah. Halo feels like a game from this time. Right. Which, yeah, and, very much so. Yeah, so big, big kudos to them, and, like, you know we wouldn't the game market would not be what it is right now without halo 
It would not no. be so dominated by shooters because they would not play with this same level of ease and satisfaction, and it would not be dominated by Microsoft. I mean, this made Xbox a household brand. I mean, Xbox is sometimes the best-selling video game console, you know, at a couple different points in its career. It it's has cool been the number that one. we are at a point... Not that any of these companies, you know, big three companies need my boost, mm -hmm. but it is cool that we're at a point where all three of them have phases where they are the definitive console maker. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, for so long, it was just like, yes, it was Nintendo, and then it's, yes, it is Sony. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, one generation Xbox 360 does the best. And Absolutely. Then the PS3, yeah, it's, it's nice to have that ebb and flow. Yeah. It keeps, keeps things competitive. No, I like that. I like that. Um. Have either of you guys uh, dipped your toes into Halo Infinite yet? I I just downloaded it today. I've only gotten through the uh, training course, um, so I mm -hmm. haven't really gotten too much into it. Have you been playing it? Um, I dipped my toes into it a little bit when the multiplayer beta first came out, and I'm I am crossing all of my fingers and toes that my uh, graphics card uh, holds out until mm. the the great graphics card shortage is no more and i can <laughs> afford to upgrade it because i was playing uh halo infinite in a teeny tiny window at teeny tiny resolution on my computer but it played great um yeah. i think the i'm a little wary about the the level of microtransactions in the multiplayer but I, I think like my plan is I think I'm probably gonna wait a year and then just see where it's at and then maybe jump into the campaign at that point. It does feel like one of those games that needs a little time to grow and kind of iron out some of the bugs and maybe like it also seems like one of those games that a lot of players are gonna be jumping on, clogging up the uh, servers kind of immediately. It's, that's the only time I actually like to play multiplayer games though is if I'm there really early to when it gets released because yeah. everyone is doesn't know how to play the game. Yeah, I feel like if I come in like three months later. The only people left are people who are really good, and I right. just walk around and get sniped. It is, it is a really interesting new direction for the series. It actually kind of seems like it's evolving into like a Destiny kind of game, like a loot shooter. You know, it's very open world, and uh, you just kind of explore and, and move from checkpoint to checkpoint rather than the rather linear Halo series to this point. So I'm excited to dig into it. I don't know. I, I've, I've heard some mixed things about it, but uh, I'm excited to, to see how it develops. And for Woody's sake... Grappling hook. Yeah. Grappling hook. Oh, God, oh I'm so grappling torn. Hook. Grappling hook on one hand, open world on the other hand. Yeah, Ooh. I know. There's like you two. Yeah, yeah, the two, the two. Very little pushes. box pushing, I hear. Okay. Uh, so the last cup, the last thing I really want to mention about Halo is that they just announced a new TV series. Uh, just like a week or two ago, they showed the first trailer. Uh, it's coming out to Paramount Plus in 2022. I mean, that, uh, that's a pretty big get for Paramount Plus, which I think get. still is secure in its place of a thing you don't need to own. Like, I Kinda, feel like yeah. other streaming services all have, like, a reason to have them, and Paramount Plus has not cracked that yet. Par Paramount Plus's big thing right now that I appreciate is that they have all the Comedy Central shows. Like, Doesn't is, HBO have that, too? They don't. They have Cartoon Network stuff. Oh. But, uh, yeah, the Comedy Central stuff is all on Paramount right now. So that's kind of why I And I think they have it. Star Trek stuff. They have Star so Trek that, stuff that would be out other, the you know, wazoo. But, I mean, this this looks pretty cool. Like, uh, an idea of, like, a Halo movie has been tossed around forever. I know Peter Jackson has been wanting to make one forever because he's a big fan of the game. And, like, he was attached at one point, and then they had Neil Blomkamp, who is the director of District 9. He Who's was attached at one point. one good movie. Yeah, and then his career went down <laughs> the toilet, and everyone's like, all right, no, we don't want him doing this anymore. Uh, go make your chappies. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's been kind of long 
gestating, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Like, The Mandalorian, like, to bring it back to that, has proven that you can make a compelling sci-fi show where you never see the main character's face, you know, or rarely see the main character's face. That's true, but I feel like the, like, Mandalorian is great because it's, like, a new thing, and I remember... (laughs) I've been uh, binging so many episodes of your guys' show lately. I don't remember what episode mm. it was, but there was something about like, you know, making up the medium of uh, movie versus video game, and like, what what new would you experience out of a Halo TV series that you wouldn't ha- already have gotten from all of the from the games? Yeah. yeah, and I'm I'm kind of in that boat right now. I'm always welcome to be surprised, but if it's just like, oh, like the TV show of the Halo series. I mean, I can kind of already watch the cinematics all on YouTube already. Oh, yeah. No, that is that is a valid point. It does feel like the Halo games do such a good job of carrying you around in the story and being cinematic. It, again, just right from the beginning, that Pillar of Autumn battle, you really feel like you're in it. Yeah. And so, yeah, to see these scenes on, you know, through a TV show might not have the same thing, but... I think they would probably wisely not just focus on Master Chief and kind of explore this conflict more as a whole, maybe some of the politics around it that would not be appealing to see a cutscene of in-game. And really, like, I mean, we haven't really talked too much about it, but the most compelling character in all of Halo is Cortana. And there's a really interesting, like, the the way... Just to be clear, Cortana is the scantily clad AI program. Yeah, that lives in your helmet. And sometimes she pops out and, like, dances on a little holler. She doesn't dance, but, you know, she's a, she's a tiny little AI person. But she's, like, sassy, and she's funny, and she brings a lot of, like, energy to the series. And she and Chief have a really interesting dynamic that unfolds throughout the series, where it's, like, almost borderline romantic sometimes. Like, she be- develops, like, feelings for him to the sense that she can. So there's some interesting kind of sci-fi stuff going on there. And, I mean, Cortana is now, like, Microsoft's Siri. Like right. she is, she's like the the AI program, like in your actual Microsoft computer, which is uh, pretty crazy to think about. Which I always think is funny because the story in Halo is that Cortana goes crazy and yeah. de- is like degenerate and rampant, and yeah. then it's like, oh, I'm glad to have this thing in on my Windows machine. Yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if they, I'm wondering if they developed that before they got to Halo Five. It's just like, oh, okay, whoops. Um, all right, all right. Yeah, not the best message, but also, yeah, just like the word Halo just is a really perfect title. The name Cortana is perfect. That's just a great name. It's You've never heard it before. It's awesome. It works great. It sounds very sci-fi-y. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do want to share one quick story. Please. Uh, maybe two quick stories before we, before we depart. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of them where I think, like, uh, we've kind of touched a little bit on Halo 2's multiplayer legacy, but I think one of the great things about it is just, like, the way that it kind of brings people together that like you may like never have met in real life yeah. and it was hilarious because uh i first you know come to orcas island in high school and didn't know anybody but i had halo 2 and <laughs> uh one of one of my buddies on one of the people on my friends list was this guy uh, blakus maximus mm. who i played a ton of and uh eventually you know i met woody and he came over and we were in a game with uh with this blake fellow and he's like wait is that my cousin <laughs> oh forgot about that yeah you were randomly friends with my cousin on halo before we even (laughs) met each other that's insane wow that's so weird the other one that i have is uh you know when as everyone goes through their competitive video game phase and thinks they're they're the king of the universe i was like okay i'm i'm the best at halo 2 on orcas island i could definitely take my talents pro (laughs) and i went to a uh i went to um 
I think it was a major league gaming event down in Linwood. And I was like, okay, I've, I've got this on lockdown. I'll, I'll practice a little bit before going, but you know, like everyone, I'm the best at this, the very golden eye syndrome that you mm. get. Um, went down to this uh, Halo 2 land in Linwood and just got rolled by everybody. And I think there was like, uh, there was at least like one pro circuit player there who was just like, it was like me playing with Michael Jordan. It was just not even <laughs> Who is really good close. at Halo, I hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably is. <laughs> probably like, is. I imagine that that man just has an intrinsic level of talent where he, he's probably much better podcaster than any of us. Yeah. Right. He loses $5 million a day in Halo betting. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you, you can swing it. You can swing it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, the level of skill that you see in professional players is actually really pretty incredible with the Halo series. And, like, you know, the one other thing I guess to mention is like, the the very short-lived trend of machinima uh kind oh, of yeah. found a big boom from halo because of the series red versus blue which uh was launched by rooster teeth it's basically just you know the the idea of machinima it's kind of gone now but it's the idea of using pre-existing character models or animation to tell unique stories and so basically they were just making little sitcom like a workplace sitcom set in a multiplayer halo game which was it was pretty funny like it was a fun little show and it lasted a really long time but you know that that trend has come and gone, which is kind of a shame. But uh... more fun, more fun story time about stuff related to that. There was a one time in Halo Two, I did a shot for shot remake <laughs> of the uh, the Matrix lobby shooting scene. Wow! Uh, in Halo Two, uh, and I remember posting that. And remember, remember, kids, this was pre YouTube, and you had to like host all this stuff yourself and like put it up online. And I was like. Oh my god, a 150 megabyte QuickTime file? Where am I going to put this? Uh, and then I remember with Woody, uh, in, with uh, Halo 3, I think I, I I won some kind of contest on the Major League Gaming website where Woody and I worked to put together this um, rock and roll racing montage nice. uh, using like the mongoose and uh, like footage from like rocket racing. Uh, playlists in in halo 3 but yeah so it's just a bunch of clips of us driving around in the game but then we put on the rock and roll racing soundtrack with the announcer the little midi uh nobody gonna take my master chief jams into first (laughs) oh that's amazing there's 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 a a treasure trope of weird movies that scott and i made together in (laughs) high school slash college that's a man we need to release them all in a definitive blu-ray cut yeah that's that's the thousand dollar patreon goal yes yes the the master chief collection and the woody of scott collection (laughs) you could see me play as goldfinger yes (laughs) yes are you cooking with god yeah Yeah, reading reading ziggy cartoons Well, Scott, thank you so, so much for being here, for suggesting this game, and uh, for, for getting me thinking about Halo again, because uh, I'm, I'm glad that I've matured and grown up and come back around to the Halo is Awesome camp. So, you know, I'm, 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 I've had a journey with it, but I'm back, and uh, I'm all in on Halo. I love it. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I think uh, more people need to check out your Patreon, 100%. Uh, all of your guests will plug it for you, so you don't have to do anything on that front. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, one thing that I'll plug on my end is yeah. that uh, I kind of bashed on Steam earlier, but I'm actually uh, a big fan of data mining Steam now. Uh, mm. I don't have it up on my GitHub yet, but uh, on my blog at svburger.com, uh, 
you can find a link to, uh, I'll put up a blog post in, in a little bit um, for this new uh, recommendation system algorithm that I'm working on to mm-hmm. to get people uh, to figure out what games to play together. This is a, a problem that beleaguers me uh, pretty often these days where we're just like, well, what, what game should we play next? And uh, I think I've finally cracked a, a pretty solid recommendation engine uh, that I'll put up on there shortly. Cool. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds cool. Well, thank you so, so much for being here again. Uh, and uh, we will see you all next time. Kapow, kapow, kablam, halo. We need to figure out how to end these shows. I, I, I don't, years in, I don't think there's a problem in. saying kapow every time. Okay, No, great. I see no problem with it. It works. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>